Whether you're a first-time poultry owner or looking to expand your flock, you can always use some helpful advice. Blaine's Farm and Fleet's got you covered. With great info and products to help raise healthy birds in-store or online at farmandfleet.com forward slash chick days. M the Zone. From farm to fork and everything in between, we cover it all. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke. Well, and it looks like rain is going to cover a good chunk of Wisconsin for a Tuesday. Hello, everyone. Happy Valentine's Day. How are you doing? I'm Pam Youngke. Yeah, the temperatures are still going to stay very mild for today. Uh, But we do have to start thinking about some transition that's coming temperature-wise specifically. Now, the rain that we're getting for today is going to get lumpy by the end of the week. Our daytime highs under partly cloudy skies today, probably going to touch out around 48 degrees. So like I said, rain is what we're likely likely to see today. But then tomorrow things start changing a little bit. Uh, Partly sunny skies, a little bit more rain possible, 43-hour high Thursday We drop down to 26. Friday, 24 degrees before returning to the 40s this weekend. Stumach, our ag meteorologist, of course, our big Valentine with a weather forecast coming up in just a little bit. John Heinberg, market advisor with Total Farm Marketing out of West Bend, is going to be stepping to the microphone. And we'll catch up with the president of the Wisconsin Cattlemen's Association. They had their winter conference over the weekend. Great turnout. Brady Zook is going to share some details on issues they're following at the state capitol in Washington, D.C., and in their own backyards. Stick around. Consolidation and competition are two areas in agriculture the Farmers Union wants addressed in the Farm Bill discussions. Ross Hedervig of the National Farmers Union tells us on our Farmers Union Minute that includes more than just the livestock sector. You know, consolidation is not just isolated to the livestock industry. It's all across um, our, our ag industry. You know, there's, I think, three equipment manufacturers that produce most of the, the equipment, um, from seed sales to even just getting products to market. It's a, a fairly consolidated industry, and we know that providing more avenues for farmers and ranchers to market either directly to consumers or kind of um, provide them more opportunities throughout the, the, the business cycle um, adds profitability for them. Ross Hedervig with us on our Wisconsin Farmers Union Farmers Union Minute. Have a happy Valentine's Day. I'm Bob Bosold. Animal agriculture and especially pork producers continue to monitor the U.S. Supreme Court for a verdict on Proposition 12. I'm Pam Yankee from the southern end of the world's longest barn in Madison. Prop 12 is something that started in California but could have ramifications for animal agriculture across the United States. I talked about it with Michael Formica. He's a staff member of the National Pork Producers Council working with federal agencies, the White House, and congressional lawmakers on any issues impacting pork producers. He starts off by explaining what many people don't realize about Proposition 12 and also goes on to explain how the industry is choosing to react on what is unknown right now. So, you know, it's a ballot initiative. Um, It's a law. So I say ballot initiative. It's a law in California, but it wasn't passed in the normal process where the the House and the Senate debate it, they have hearings, they learn about it, vote on it, and the governor signs it. They simply put a question to voters on Election Day, do you want to prevent cruelty to farm animals, yes or no? And who's going to vote no for that? So it passes. Um, But that's all the voters see. They don't see 
the 178 pages of regulations and of, of statutory language that, you know, that are going to require all these farms across the country to undergo major, major revisions because almost no pork is raised in California. It all comes from, from elsewhere. And those farms are going to have to make a choice. Do they want to, you know, do, do they want to make these costly, burdensome revisions that farmers think are not in the interest, the welfare interest of, of these sows? And so it becomes, a, it becomes a moral dilemma. So within agriculture, it's about pigs and pig farming. But what the Supreme Court and the cases now before the Supreme Court is looking at is, you know, is a balancing of moral choices because in this case it's pigs and pig farming. But in another case, you know, maybe it's about union-made goods versus, you know, non-union-made goods or about immigration. Um, or, you know, it's about, you know, what kind of health care that an employer may or may not, may or may not offer. Uh, and do we really want to live in a country where, you know, four states, so California, Texas, Florida, and New York, um, because of the size of their markets, are the only ones uh, who can tell, you know, are the only ones who get, get any say and, and actually will tell everyone else how to live their lives. And that's not, that's not the country we have. Right. And that's exactly why it's ended up in front of the Supreme Court. Now, Michael, you've followed Prop 12 since its inception. What have you learned? Tell me about what goes on behind the scenes. Uh, partners that have come together to help keep the conversation moving. Yeah, so that's a great that's a great question. And and this has been a, this has been a, a, a great a great experience, great learning experience. Um, a, a, a great experience to actually sell a good story, to tell the good story of agriculture. So, you know, in, initially we have ag groups. So it's NPPC, right. the American Farm Bureau Federation has been with us from day one. They've yep. been a, a fantastic, fantastic partner. Zippy, right. uh, President Zippy Duval is, is here. His staff uh, have been fantastic to work with. Uh, and they understand this big picture because farmers are going to be impacted everywhere. Uh, the North American Meat Institute, right? So what you yeah. would what yeah. you would expect. Um, but then one of the first things we did was go out to California, and and begin you know talking to legislators, legislators out there, you know policymakers, but also talking to you know how do how do you convince someone in California to care about a farm in Iowa? They don't you know elect, the governor doesn't care, state senator, state delegate doesn't care, but they do care about people in California. And ultimately, those people in California are going to see a loss of protein choices. And pork is, you know, pork is delicious, it's affordable, it's nutritious, uh, and it's the protein of choice for most Californians. So, okay, let's talk to, let's talk to the grocery stores, let's talk to the restaurants. Uh, next thing we know, we're talking to the Diversity Council, we're talking to the Asian Chamber, we're talking to uh, Latino restaurants, we're talking to the Hispanic Chamber, um, educating all of them. None of them knew about this. It was a big ballot initiative in California, but they had no idea because there's so many of these, and and they had no idea that this was gonna this was gonna if you've got if you're a Hispanic uh, Mexican restaurant owner. Uh, especially in California, half the items on your menu are based on pork. You you can't get pork anymore. You're now you're out of you're out of business. This is a 
big, big problem. And so we've got, we educated them, we got them involved in, you know, and that, 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 that light bulb clicked quick for them. And, you know, and they became very, very active, strong partners there. Uh, you know, and then that effort just, it, you know, it, it grows naturally. And so one, you know, one restaurant owner talks to his, you know, his, his, his competitor, but they're also in the same industry across the street. Um, you know, we have we had the Golden Gate Restaurant Association. We had, you know, businesses in San Francisco going to bat for us. Yeah. Um, then you know, legislators start paying attention because oh, we didn't. Well, we didn't realize that. We actually didn't file suit. We we challenged Prop 12, but those groups on their own filed suit to stop Prop 12 from going into effect while right. our case was pending yeah. because they don't want to lose access to to pork. Right. And so they and they were successful doing that and so that's a you know that's a great that's a great story of partnership and, and coalition building that can happen um but you have to talk to the people on the ground there and think differently about the issue right it wasn't at that point it wasn't a story of what's going on on a farm in iowa it's what's going on in a kitchen you know in in fresno or in in los angeles michael formica along with us from the national pork producers council we're talking about prop 12 now Although we're still awaiting the Supreme Court's verdict, there have been, this has made people change some things. I mean, you talk about restaurant owners. It was making headlines when Prop 12 started catching some attention on people hoarding bacon. And, I mean, people did react pretty quickly to this. Yeah, and, you know... But at this point, most people are, are aware of the supply chain issues that are that are happening here. Um, but I think you know the, the agriculture pork industry can take a lot of credit for um, really really starting that supply chain conversation because we were look we were at this point where Proposition 12 was going to take effect, and California, you know, the animal rights group said this is simple, it, it, this is an easy thing to do. Well, California was, you know, at that point was two years late. It, they ended up being three years late. It took them three years extra to write the rules to on how to even comply with Proposition 12. Um, and how, as a, you know, as a pork producer, how do you comply with something where the rules aren't written? But as a restaurant owner, how do you comply with something where in, in California you don't know? Um, and so, you know, a lot of, you know, again, those partners started raising a lot of concern in California, and a couple of news stories quickly began, um, you know, pick interest. Um, the Los Angeles Times called it Bacon Gate, and once they called it Bacon Gate, it 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 it, it blew up. It blew up. AP did a story, um, and and it and it's everywhere. And uh, what if the pork producers that, like you said, initially saw this as a freight train to their business. Were they ready to walk away from California? I mean, tell me a little bit more about the conversations you've been having as this has gradually moved forward, Michael. Uh, yeah, so that is, um, you know, it's a massive, it's a massive, massive market. So nobody wants to walk away from it. And the other thing with California is, you know, California is 80, 80% of the West Coast. So even if you wanted to walk away from California, um, you know, 30%, California is 15% of the market, 30% of the market is export markets. All of those exports, all that pork that gets sent, you know, to, to Asia, most of it goes through ports in California. Could we even move that 
through interstate commerce to the port, onto the ship, and then ship it all. And so that creates another problem. Michael Formica, a staff member with National Pork Producers Council that's continuing to monitor Prop 12. Again, arguments were heard in October before the U.S. Supreme Court, and now we await their verdict. And like I said, could have an impact not only on pork producers that are serving that California market, but animal agriculture as a whole. From the southern end of the world's longest barn in Madison, I'm Farm Director Pam Yonke. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Yonke. Tom Spitz and David Fink of Settlers Bank. We make it easy to access the bankers you know. Bankers who listen to your goals. Then offer expert advice and solutions that simplify even the most complex financial matters. Virtually or in person, we're here when you need us. To learn more, stop by or visit SettlersWI.com. Settlers Bank. Timely decisions. People you know. Member FDIC. Equal housing lender. We all get hit by the storms of life. I had noticed my legs were swelling, and we went to Maine Medical Hospital. And they said, oh, Mr. Conquest, can you get up for your MRI? And I remember pushing up off the bed, and I fell. Next thing I know, it was three weeks later, and I was paralyzed. It was a pretty low point to not be able to do the things that I love to do. PBA was there the first day. Thanks to PVA, paralyzed veterans are getting specialized medical care and treatments. The benefits they've earned, the jobs they want, and the accessible vehicles and homes they need. PVA has brought me back to life. I've fallen a few times and PVA is like, get up. We just keep getting up. To learn more, go to pva.org today. Pest control? You've got a guy for that. Car repairs? You probably have a guy for that as well. For someone to custom design a unique piece of jewelry for you, or help your current pieces look sparkling fresh? That needs to be William Thomas Custom Jewelry. Affordable and local. William Thomas Custom Jewelry will help you create a desirable, one-of-a-kind piece that you'll be proud to wear for years to come. William Thomas Custom Jewelry. Your inspiration, your custom jeweler. And I forgot to put that in, so let's just jump right in, talk a little bit about what's coming our way weather-wise on a Valentine's Day Tuesday. I'm Farm Director Pam Yonke, joined now by our friend Stu Muck, ag meteorologist, joining us a little bit, uh, like I say, yesterday was a pretty doggone nice day temperature-wise, Stu. Today I'm getting the sense that uh, we might get a little damp. How much rain are we thinking out of this? Well, it's coming in, Pam. I'd say for most of us, we're talking, you know, a quarter, third of an inch, something like that. Lacrosse could be a little on the lighter side out of this one. Mauston uh, kind of lumping in with the rest of us from Madison up toward eastern Wisconsin. Just not a major rainmaker. There's rain out there this morning. Oh, there it is. There's some light rain in southwest and south-central Minnesota, scattering through central Iowa. Heavier rain, southeast Nebraska, eastern Kansas, Missouri, all the way down through Oklahoma and Texas. What we're seeing today is low pressure. It's way down there in the panhandles now, Texas and Oklahoma. But it's going to move up toward western Iowa by late today. 
and up over Lake Superior by early tomorrow. So some rain developing already a bit later this morning into the afternoon. Last overnight may linger into early tomorrow. Like I say, not a big deal. If we see a tenth of an inch hit by late this afternoon, that'd be a lot. More likely a couple of tenths of an inch overnight may linger into early Wednesday, and that system pulls away, staying very mild today. Tomorrow, unfortunately, after that low pulls up into Lake Superior, cooler air is going to be able to build in. Temperatures will, unfortunately, unfortunately, that is, fall Wednesday. We stay very mild overnight, way above normal, even for a daytime high tonight. But those temps drop off overnight, getting cooler, staying that way through Wednesday night. And that's when I expect the next low to build in out of the southwest. That system is going to provide moisture out in the western parts of the U.S. here a bit later today and tonight. And then very quickly move up into the central U.S. A little uncertain as to exactly where it's going to pass. But right now it really does appear that low will move up toward Iowa and maybe pass just off toward, uh, or move up, excuse me, in towards southern or central Illinois on its way east. Now, that seems a long way off to the south, but it will have a band of snow to the north, and that's the one that enters into Wisconsin Wednesday night into the day Thursday. The snow possibility. Right now, it looks to me like some of the heavier snow may be from, call it, northwest Illinois to east-central Wisconsin, maybe up toward the southern part of Lake Winnebago, including Beaver Dam and Fond du Lac, where there could be some two to four inch amounts of snow. Now that's a couple of days out. That would happen and be here late Wednesday night into the day Thursday. If this system passes further south, less snow, nothing much to worry about. If it were to head a bit further north, there may be less snow in southern Wisconsin, but that heavier band could push a bit further north. We'll keep an eye on it. I'll have forecast details right after this. My name is Cameron Olson, owner of Olson Solar Energy. The whole point of a turnkey installation is that you don't have to do anything for this system. We do it all. All the permitting, we do all of the work. Anything that needs to be done to make this system up and running and good, we take care of it for you. It seems like it never fails. I, I get a customer turned online and their solar is producing. Sure enough, that next month they want to show us their bill. Look, zero dollars. Go green, save green at OlsonSolarEnergy.com. There goes Pam Yonke across Wisconsin in her suburban truck. Thanks to our equipment. Check out the affordable, efficient, versatile tractor line at our equipment and ask for Mr. Versatile, Chunk Gill. And from the Dairy Farmers of Wisconsin, promoting Wisconsin's world-class dairy products since 1983. Look for their proudly Wisconsin badge on dairy products. Keep up with Pam at fabulousfarmbabe.net on Facebook and Twitter. Alrighty, Stu, let's talk a little bit more about uh, this evolution of weather. So if we're only going to pick up trace amounts of rain today, do we have to worry about uh, slick conditions tomorrow morning if those temperatures start falling? Well, they're not going to fall that quick. I think by this time tomorrow morning, Pam, we're still talking probably 36 or 38 degrees. So that's still wet. Those temperatures fall as we head through the day Wednesday. And even then, mid-30s, you may just start to see it around the edge Wednesday night a little different. Backing up, today let's talk about the clouds that build in and the showers that develop. They could happen even toward early parts of the afternoon at La Crosse, Mauston, or starting into Madison, not until later afternoon further east. I expect a breezy but very mild day in the upper 40s. South winds today get stronger, 10 to 20, gusting near 30 miles per hour. Body skies, rain showers tonight. 
I don't expect much more than that. Temps holding in the mid or upper 30s overnight with southeast winds becoming southwest later on quite strong, 15 to 25, even gusting to 40. A little rain ends tomorrow. Cloudy skies gets colder, dropping into the mid-30s. Southwest winds could gust near 40 on Wednesday. Late Wednesday night into Thursday, that snow developing. Clouds only upper 20s on Thursday, Pam, but still gusty. North winds 10 to 20, gusting to 30. It's going to feel a lot more chilly Wednesday, Thursday into Friday. All righty. Get your rainfall reports ready, everybody. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke. Celebrate our century and sesquicentennial farms across Wisconsin. There is a growing list of farms that have been family-owned or operated for over 100 or 150 years. You can find out all about them all year long thanks to our friends at Compere Financial. Meet the families, hear their stories, and take a trip down memory lane by logging onto MidwestFarmReport.com. New farms are featured each Friday on our morning show. Celebrate Century and Sesquicentennial Farms with the Midwest Farm Report. I look at this dairy cow, and again, it's the animal that I love. The things that this dairy cow can do and the way that she can produce milk, to me, there is no substitute for milk in the world. And to be able to keep cows and help cows produce that for people... To me, that's a privilege. I'm Dr. Bill Zimmer, founder of BioVet. Microbials and nutritional support, that's BioVet. Learn more at bio-vet.com. You can't change the price of gas or groceries, but you can change the amount of your energy bill. Benjamin Plumbing is now a certified dealer of Renai tankless water heaters. The number one tankless water heater in North America. They're up to 40% more energy efficient and provide endless hot water. Stop wasting tons of energy keeping 40, 50, even 75 gallons of water hot day and night with your old water heater. Call Benjamin Plumbing today and learn more about the new state-of-the-art energy-efficient Renai tankless water heaters, including a factory extended warranty. Save money with endless hot water for your home with a new Renai water heater from Benjamin Plumbing. Hi, Dale Benjamin with Benjamin Plumbing. When we say your plumbing problem is fixed, we mean it. No excuses, I guarantee it. Contact Benjamin Plumbing at BenjaminPlumbing.com. Now you've got a friend in the plumbing business. Benjamin Plumbing. You're no stranger to hard work and eating right, but your abs are more like flabs. Carbon World Health offers MSculpt, an FDA-approved treatment for men who want to transform their physique. One session is equivalent to 20,000 crunches without the painful recovery. Melt fat, build and tone muscle, then start getting the results you're looking for. MSculpt at Carbon World Health. Learn more at CarbonWorldHealth.com. Create the floors you love this season with DIY and budget-friendly flooring from Wiseway. With Wiseway Flooring's direction, you'll only need to be moderately handy to accomplish brand new floors. I'm Mike Yenser at Wiseway Flooring, inviting you to visit our showroom in Watertown, Lake Mills, and Economwalk. See how our do-it-yourself products might be the right thing for you. Commercial or residential, the wise have it. Log on to INeedFlooringNow.com. The nightmare of working with some contractors is much like being on a bad date. 
they take forever to return your call. When they do show up, they leave your house a mess, and then they throw in weird surprises. Swipe left. Actuate Improvement is a full-service design and remodeling company who does return your calls, leaves your property clean, and never any awkward surprises. Swipe right, and let's get the conversation started with a complimentary estimate. ActuateLLC.com. Design. Create. Actuate. Let our family help your family. This is Matt Gunderson. And this is Elmer, our canine cuddle ambassador, here to provide good-natured, loving, fuzzy support to further our level of personal care. Someday you might meet Elmer as we assist you with an individual life celebration. Let our family help your family. Visit GundersonFH.com. Over 100 years as your hometown life celebration center. I didn't ask to be thrown in the streets with nowhere to go. I didn't think I'd survive. But I did ask for help, and Covenant House was there for me. One in ten young adults will experience a form of homelessness this year. For these kids who didn't ask to be put in this unthinkable situation, Covenant House is there. Covenant House helped me break the cycle of homelessness in my family. They gave me the love that I needed. Over 2,000 young people will sleep safely in a Covenant House bed tonight. When youth who are experiencing homelessness have a hot meal, a safe place to sleep, medical care, and love, they can overcome heartbreaking challenges and have a brighter future. They just really genuinely just wanted to help me succeed, and I'm succeeding. I'm a, I'm a speaker, I'm an author. Covenant House really helped me and really helped mold me into the woman I am today. If you or someone you love is asking for help, go to safeplacetosleep.org today. What did you think of the game itself uh, as a totality? It, it was, I thought it was a very phenomenal, exciting uh, back-and-forth game. First of all, I'll just say I'm glad that the Chiefs won. Yeah, basic takeaway. Glad the Chiefs won. Glad the Eagles lost. <laughs> yeah. Uh, ben Kenny. Ben Kenny, he is uh, going to be gone today. He's back in Philadelphia for the weekend. He is... And it kind of warmed my heart a little bit knowing that he's back home in his childhood house crying himself to sleep into his pillow. I'm kind of glad the Chiefs won. We didn't have to see Jackson Mahomes shoved in her face. I did see Brittany Matthews up there on stage, but that's fine. That's the wife of Patrick Mahomes uh, showing off their daughter. That was you know cool for Patrick Mahomes to get the MVP. But the game itself, was it a hold? Was it a penalty at the end that allowed the Chiefs to continue their drive and eventually get the win with the field goal. You know what's hilarious? All the people that you saw complaining on Twitter uh-huh. when those same exact people two weeks ago were the the exact ones saying, well, clearly it was a late hit out of bounds. Uh-huh. Well, clearly he grabbed his jersey and his arm if you go watch the replay. Yep. But now, because all of a sudden it was the Super Bowl, because the AFC Championship game wasn't any different or any less competitive. Uh huh. Oh, but not in the Super Bowl, not in the last play of the game. Remember, that late hit actually gave the Chiefs the opportunity to kick the field goal because that would have been closer to a 60-yard field goal in that crappy weather where yeah. it was cold yeah. and their kicker wasn't making it from that distance. Yeah. Every, everyone was all all cool about getting it right then, but they now totally when were. it was the Super Bowl, and you know what the worst part about it was? What's that? It was the fact that 
the broadcast had the one angle where it looks like his hand is just on his back, and Greg Olson is like, oh, yeah, so it looks like he play. just kind of has his hand on his back. You know, that's tough. Look, I don't know but, about that call. Just let him play. But then when you go from a different angle, and Mike Pereira talked about it, you know, kind of towards the end of the game, he clearly grabbed his jersey. And there and was sling, an- he, like, slingshotted himself forward, too. And there was another time where you can see on that same – you know, play even before that when the guy is making the out, he grabs his like forearm and wrist. Yeah. Like he grabbed him twice. You could argue that there was almost two holds on that play at the same time. And one of them got called, but yeah, it was about, the right call. It was the right call. And by the way, sorry to interrupt the cornerback to James Bradley that did it. He took responsibility yeah. saying it was holding. He's like, I did it. That I was what it. I was going to say. Like the guy came out and said, yeah, I held him. I was hoping I'd get away with it and they'd let it slide. Yeah. He literally came out and said that he yeah. held them. So uh, let's see here. Uh, now the refereeing throughout the playoffs, let's be honest with ourselves, was not the greatest. I didn't think that there was anything wrong with the refereeing in the Super Bowl, really. Neither did I. I. Mean, Outside of the last flag that everyone complained about, but he clearly held him and he said he held him. Yes. And then the one angle, he clearly grabbed his jersey. That was what everyone freaked out about. Yeah. How about the Devontae Smith catch? Uh, that I thought it was incomplete. So did I. I mean, you saw it. I thought the the Goddard catch was very questionable. Yeah, with the, the toe drag Still possibly. on the ground. Yeah. There was, th- those are ones, though, it's like... It, it, it was controversial, but it wasn't, you know. And then the final call at the end, it was holding. Like it was, the guy even came out and said, "Wouldn't you say that it's it, holding?" It probably split about even when they yeah. had the Devonte Smith incompletion and the Goddard catch. Because yeah. I think both of those could have went either either way. Yeah, totally. Uh, at the end of the day, we saw a great game. Um, the you know thirty eight thirty five, the Chiefs get a win. It was a hell of a performance from both teams, and uh, I, I I enjoyed the game. Now, everything else surrounding the Super Bowl, from the commercials to the halftime show, we'll get, I mean, we'll get into a little bit. I've, I don't really care either way, but uh, it is part of the whole experience. But football's over, unless you're getting ready for the USFL. How many times did you see that throwing up on the broadcast? Yeah, USFL and XFL starting up here soon. <laughs> so football, I guess, isn't going to be gone for too long. Well, what did you think of the Super Bowl, RJ? I mean, entertaining game? Yeah, it was an entertaining game. Um I had some people best J.A. Krebs, Misty Jordan. He just hit me up and said, good game, dumb ending. Yeah. That's like a lackluster ending. It was, it was like, anticlimactic to a degree, but, yeah. it, you know, what, what do you want the Chiefs to do, I guess? You know, just. Oh, it, I mean, it, it. Or was the ending dumb because of the uh, the holding that some people think wasn't holding? I mean, it was holding. Yeah. But it was definitely a holding call. I mean, it wasn't egregious. I could see how it could be missed, but it got called. So do with that what you will. But, like, it just, the way it ended, it just seemed like, it was like, hold on, that was it? If she's not milking the cows, she's talking about them. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke. So for your Valentine's Day Tuesday, we've got about a 90% chance we'll see precipitation today, but also above average temperatures, probably touching out right around 48 degrees. Some folks might even get into the 50s. Tomorrow, another 30% chance of precipitation, 43 are expected high. Thursday, sudden turnaround as far as temperatures, 26 the expected high, and Friday no better than 24. Pam Yankee, glad to be along with you, and don't forget, coming up in moments, John Heinberg, Market Advisor with Total Farm Marketing out of West Bend. Today is the 14th day of February. On this day back in 1960, 
John F. Kennedy was campaigning in Wisconsin. Among some of his stops, he was in Fort Atkinson, Whitewater, Elkhorn, and Lake Geneva, always greeting the audiences with a soundtrack blaring of Frank Sinatra's High Hopes. John F. Kennedy in Wisconsin on this day back in 1960. On this day in 1876, the telephone is patented. Did you know, though, both Alexander Graham Bell and Elisha Gray applied for the patent, but in the end, Bell won the telephone patented on this day back in 1876. And happy birthday to magician illusionist Ray Teller. He is 75 years young. Did you know that Teller, he's the part of the comedy magician duo that doesn't talk? He was actually a teacher before he became a performer. That I did not know. But now we're all on the same page. Well, they were getting on the same page this past weekend at the Wisconsin Cattlemen's Winter Conference. Actually, first time in about two years that that group gathered together into forest. I sat down and visited with Brady Zook, president of the Wisconsin Cattlemen's Association. He hails from Ladysmith, and I asked him, quite frankly... Get me up to speed on what cattlemen are talking about. Yep, so our two main priority focuses legislatively is first uh, the wolf management plan that was recently was recently released, excuse yeah. me, by the Wisconsin DNR. So as a cattlemen's association, we are really focused on making sure that our members have you know adequate access when there is an issue with a problem wolf on their farm, that they have a way to deal with it. Currently, with the wolf being federally endangered, we have no options. So if we go out into our pasture and see a wolf attacking livestock, we are both basically to sit and watch you cannot shoot a wolf there's no way to deal with a problem wolf and so we're probably providing our input into wisconsin's wolf management plan so once the wolf is federally delisted and management is returned to the states which is which we would like we want to make sure that you know cattlemen's have or cattle producers in our state have means to deal with an issue not only a problem wolf that is you know killing livestock but let's think about the social aspects for our producers right that herd won't graze correctly because they're constantly being you know harassed by a wolf or the producer that goes out in the morning and half the herd is in the neighbor's pasture because they blew the fence last night you know i visit with some of our northern members and they talk about you know you go to bed at night 10 o'clock and they hear a bump in the night and your first thought is it's a wolf out there again so how do we you know compensate our producers not only for direct damages but also the you know non-direct impacts that wolf depredation has you know, in our state. So that's our, one of our big focuses is, is the wolf management plan and, and providing our input there. And the second piece is in the state of Wisconsin, we've done a really nice job of our, developing our producer-led watershed groups. I'm really excited to say we actually have one starting in our home area. We'll have our first meeting March 4th uh, up in northern Wisconsin. But um, really, you know, allowing our farmers and producers here in Wisconsin to lead the way on conservation and in looking at new, you know, management practices to reduce runoff, reduce nitrate loss. Um, our farmers are very ingenious. And we want to really empower them to make those uh, make that progress on a local level here in our state. Do, do you feel now that you've been exposed to some of these issues, some of these discussions, Brady? How does it make you feel representing the industry when you go to the state capitol? You know, it's yeah. So you, you don't really realize how much is going on when you're just a, let's see when you're just joining the association. You're like, okay, what are we doing here? What's the point of this? And then you start getting more involved, especially in our legislative, and you realize how much is happening in Madison and how important it is that, you know, as cattle producers, beef cattle producers specifically, that we are represented and have our voice heard. Yeah, and that's one message that you've been sharing with members at the annual meeting is 
don't just attend, stay involved. Absolutely. We're glad you're here. Thank you for coming to Winter Conference here. We're back after a couple year break during the COVID period, but we're really looking for our members to become active, right? We will send out occasionally you know, an email notice like we need our members to speak up on issues with their local legislators or if it's a state agency, you provide those comments, right? Because you know, as a citizen and a cattle producer, you want to make sure your voice is heard. So when we send those out, please take that opportunity to write your comments, share your thoughts to make sure your voice is heard. Now, moving forward, like we said, happy to be back face to face. That's step one of 2023. What other initiatives, programs, events are the cattlemen looking forward to, Brady? Yep, absolutely. So we just had, I'm going to take it back just a step. We just wrapped up down in New Orleans last right. week with the National Cattlemen's Beef Association or NCBA conference. We'll have our summer tour coming up. Uh, again, it'll be the last um, Saturday in June, okay. which I believe the date would be June 24th off the top of my head here. So we'll probably be in the southwest part of the state. So you know, this is kind of more of our business and education meeting here this, at a winter conference. And then this summer, we get a chance to connect. It's social. We get a chance to see other operations. And also working on um, participating with the Wisconsin Beef Council, a new Beef Leadership Institute. So helping develop the future right. leaders of Wisconsin, both from an advocacy standpoint, um, so you know promoting beef and promoting our industry, but also becoming involved legislatively um, to help shape the future of our beef industry that way as well. So a new program that we're working together on that we're really excited to kind of bring in that next generation of leaders because, as you mentioned, Pam, I have one more year as president and then we need someone else to backfill those roles. That's Brady Zook. He is the president of the Wisconsin Cattlemen's Association, hails from way up in Ladysmith, Wisconsin. Good turnout on Saturday as far as the Wisconsin Cattlemen's Winter Conference was concerned. And Brady said they're looking for a good turnout this summer as well. They'll be hosting their regular summer tour the third Saturday in June. And this year, that tour will take beef producers to southwest Wisconsin. More available at wisconsincattlemen.com if you want to follow along. Well... Following the markets this morning has not taken a great deal of effort. Right now, things are pretty quiet in Chicago. December corn this morning is unchanged at 596. November soybeans are unchanged at 1384. July wheat, that's currently up two cents at 804. Barrel cheese on Monday stood unchanged at 157.5. 40-pound block cheese was up a penny at 187 and a quarter. The double-A butter gained two and a quarter cents, 243 and a half per pound. The March milk unchanged right now at 1801. The April milk closed two cents lower at 1837, a hundredweight. Tomorrow, Dane County livestock producers are being invited to join in with county officials in Wanakee to discuss the next phase of manure management strategies for the county. They haven't decided on a particular group of farms they'll be working with. They really haven't decided on the technology that they want to use. You know, manure digesters are getting more and more sophisticated across the state of Wisconsin. Stephanie Hoff joins us now with an update on one big project that took place in Greenleaf, Wisconsin, handling somewhere in the neighborhood of 30,000 cows from 11 different dairies. Stephanie? The average cow is making 30 gallons of manure a day, and a new digester facility in eastern Wisconsin is trying to recover half of that as clean water and the other half as a valuable fertilizer product and bedding. I'm Stephanie Hoff for the Midwest Farm Report, talking with Bobby Levine. He's the CEO and founder of Digested Organics, and they claim one of the largest manure digester facilities in the world, and it's right here in Wisconsin, Greenleaf to be exact. He tells me how the products that come from manure may add value to the farm. So right now the fiber product uh, can go to market if the farmers don't need to use it all as bedding. 
Uh, the two fertilizer products could, you know, they, they're organic fertilizers, so you could you could use them on conventional or organic farms. They're not quite concentrated enough to sell like far away, uh, but we do have processes that we're adding to some projects and are, are going to consider for this job in the future that would further concentrate those nutrients and make a sellable product, but that's not uh, at the plant today. What's interesting, though, if we talk about a farm's bottom line, they may not be profiting off of this however they are kind of eliminating some of their own on-farm costs yeah so uh today dairy farmers who do these digester projects get uh value in lots of different uh, models. So some developers actually write them a check for you know, a certain number of dollars per cow or a percentage of the biogas selling price. There's lots of different ways that farmers can benefit. In this project, the benefit they're getting is that volume reduction. They're saying, I'm going to give you 1,000 gallons of manure and I'm only going to get 500 back. And that is how I'm getting value from this. And so, again, that's lower trucking costs, better uptake of nutrients, you know, having a lot more flexibility for storage, uh, dealing with those tighter application windows that farmers have to deal with right now for manure. So that's really where they're getting the value from this project, which is, which is unique, I think, right now today. But I also think these farmers realize that that was more important to them than some fractional check of, a, of a, you know, some, some gas sales, let's say, like keeping these farms healthy and sustainable in this community required that kind of volume reduction. And so they were excited to kind of get that as their, their piece of this. Now, Bobby, when I was reading through uh, Digested Organics pamphlet, I also saw that it could eliminate the need for a lagoon or, or a manure pit. Is that true? Can, that, can this process really kind of take away that need? Yeah, so in certain projects, we do uh, aim towards uh, lagoon-free dairies. That involves a little bit of a different technology than we have at uh, the Greenleaf plant that makes uh, more of a solid end product than like a liquid concentrated fertilizer. But it's the same idea. We're taking volume away. Uh, and whether that's as clean water or solid fertilizers, it just sort of depends on the project. But we definitely can help dairies get towards that or at least uh, think about being able to expand without necessarily needing more storage. Bobby Levine is the CEO and founder of Digested Organics. For the Midwest Farm Report, I'm Stephanie Hoff. Thanks, Stephanie. Coming up next, we're going to catch up with our man John Heinberg, market advisor with Total Farm Marketing out of West Bend. Markets may be quiet in Chicago right now, but there's always strategy afoot. John shares his thoughts with us coming up next. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke. This is Matt Gunderson, and this is Elmer, our canine cuddle ambassador, here to provide good-natured, loving, fuzzy support to further our level of personal care. Someday you might meet Elmer as we assist you with an individual life celebration. Let our family help your family. Visit GundersonFH.com. Over 100 years as your hometown life celebration center. You know who tells a great story? Our Tom's Auto Center customers, like Blake, who recently gave us a five-star review. It reads, I appreciated the emailed estimate and text message communication about the repairs. Thanks, Blake. Schedule your appointment, tomsautocenter.com. We'll make sure you get five-star service. Tom's Auto Center, with a get or fix, get or done, to get you going, guys. Off Highway 51 in McFarland, a stone's throw from McDonald's. When it comes to custom wedding rings, 
get to know your Denny's Jeweler. Denny's Jewelers does offer affordable custom wedding bands. Whether it be gold, silver, diamonds, gemstones, platinum, you bring your wedding band idea and we'll point you in the right direction. We'll show you all the options. I am Sarah Denny Alexander. Come meet the entire Denny's family at Denny's Jewelers. Sweet of Metal Roofing customers choose us because they don't want to worry about their roof anymore. There's no curling, it won't blow off, and you won't find granules in your gutters. It's one and done. It is the last roof you'll ever need. I'm Mike. And Mary Sweeta. Enjoy the long-lasting architectural strength and beauty of a Sweeta Metal Roof. S-W-I-T-A MetalRoofing.com Sweeta Metal Roofing, the last roof you'll ever need. If your conversations always start with the weather, welcome to the Midwest Farm Report. Yep, a lot of attention on this show focused in on weather, what we're going to live, what's being uh, doled out in other regions. Again, we're looking for rainfall today, so if you're a rainfall reporter, get those gauges ready to go. Uh, I know it's still a little bit of a precarious time to have rain gauges out because they could freeze the very next day, but don't forget that talk text line if you want to help out, 877-301-FARM, 877-301-3276. John Heinberg, Market Advisor with Total Farm Marketing, joins us this morning. And uh, instead of focusing just on weather, John, I want to pivot to another headline that caught some attention yesterday and might involve our pork producers. Uh, African swine fever is still something that's on the move around the globe. And one area in Hong Kong made headlines yesterday, huh? Yeah, the World Health Organization came out with a report of a farm in, in the Hong Kong area that did come down with African swine fever. Now it was a very small rural farm, you know, under the 100 head level in terms of animals lost. But And they searched that three-kilometer area around it, found no other anomalies in that regard. So, But it's a watcher, you know. It's one of those things that can move the market, you know, did Aid into the move in the April hog in the hog futures yesterday, possibly just because of the headline and how these computers and the algo traders like to trade. You know, when a market that was heavily oversold, a little bit scary news like that gets you thinking maybe I don't want to be short anymore. You know, so so we'll just again, it's a watch story at this time frame. I don't think it's a major event of any any point at this time, but uh, it's something that's always out there and something you always got to keep an eye on because that's never going to go away. It's going to be here forever. Yeah, and that was a big topic of conversation at the Wisconsin. Pork Association's meeting in conjunction with Corn Soy Expo. Uh, not not a matter of when, but uh, if, or, you know, kind of if it shows up where it shows up. Let's talk a little bit more about that weather situation that we were discussing. So here in the upper Midwest, we are going to be experiencing some more mild temperatures uh, as of today. Then it shifts pretty quickly. What's happening with weather in uh, the southern growing region? John, what can you tell us? Well, the six ten day outlook is basically coming through and starting to put some pretty good moisture across the entire United States here for you know through basically the end of February. So that's something we got to watch. How's that impact in terms of the the drought conditions in the southern plains? And you know that was something that maybe over in the overnight on yesterday kind of weighed on that wheat market a little bit. We did see some strength come back into the bidding after the as the day went on. But you know that's something we got to watch here. We got a lot of areas that are still experiencing some form of drought here across the country. And again, obviously. The, 
you know, if ground's frozen, the water doesn't quite get in, but those Southern Plains areas, you know, they need some moisture and they're maybe finally getting some. I do have a, a Kansas farmer I talked to. He's basically picked up six inches of rain in a year. So he's, he's just like anything we can get, we'll take in, in terms of moisture and at, at all. So that's going to be a watch. I think, especially as the wheat market comes uh, or the winter wheat crop comes out of dormancy, you know, do we start getting some decent moisture there? And that could be another little factor that could weigh on the markets in general. If we expect the wheat crop to become fairly solid this year in terms of its production, just especially given the, the crops that we're seeing across the country or across the world, you know, with record crops in Brazil and Australia are being reported for wheat. Mm-hmm. Or do we plow it up if it's that bad and start over with something else? Very much so. And again, that's something we got to watch. And, you know, where's the incentive in terms of the financial side between corn, soybeans and wheat? If producers can go another direction and, and put a crop in that maybe can handle the drier conditions a little more, that might be something we see. Or if, again, if the winter kill was too aggressive, it gives the opportunity for the, the producer to pivot to something else. John Heinberg along with us live this morning from Total Farm Marketing out of West Bend, totalfarmmarketing.com, their website. Another story that for most people would go unnoticed, John, but you brought it to my attention. What's going on with commitment of traders? Big question mark there. Explain for the folks. Well, the Commitment of Traders report is put together by the CFTC, and it, manage, it covers the money flow that the managed funds or the hedge funds put into the accounts, and, or excuse me, into their accounts in terms of what their positioning is. You know, we last saw a report two weeks ago. There was a ransomware attack on the firm that puts the data together. Now, we haven't seen a report in two weeks. Now, two weeks ago, the market was strongly short the wheat market, starting to go short the hog market. You know, it had decent length in corn and beans. And, and again, now we just don't really have a good track other than daily estimates and sometimes they're not worth the paper they're written on in terms of where the money is actually moving so it's one of those things it's just a little piece of news that maybe it keeps a trader a little bit cautious here because you don't want to be on the wrong side of the money flow you know right now i would suspect that the wheat position has moved away from that short side still probably short but not as aggressive you know and obviously with this turn in the hog market the last day or two here we're going to hopefully see them come out of that potential short position there but it's really hard to track until we get that report and last we're hearing is they still got issues trying to get the data put together because of this ransomware attack in terms of their firm and we still may not see those numbers again yet this week interesting hmm technology love it when it works hey john uh tell us where they can get in touch with you if they've got questions want to do some follow-up because risk management's got to be top of mind for every grower regardless of size or crop or whatever Sure. Love to chat with anybody anytime. Feel free to give me a call at 800-334-9779. Or don't forget that email, John H at totalfarmmarketing.com. And again, our website, totalfarmmarketing.com. Excellent, buddy. All right, we'll let you go at that, John. See what we have to talk about next week, all right? Sounds good. Have a great week. Happy Valentine's Day. You too, and everybody else. <laughs> All right, John Heinberg joining us live this morning. Like he said, that's kind of an interesting tidbit uh, that he brings to light today about ransomware compromising some of the trackability of where money is flowing in our commodities. And like he said, still unable to uh, get that system back up and operating, something that the market definitely depends on. Well, we're going to depend on you joining us again tomorrow morning right here, talking with our friends from the Wisconsin Beef Council. They just returned from a big event down in New Orleans, uh, got some uh, national recognition, and also got some direction on where checkoff dollars are going to be spent coming up in 2023. So Tammy Wiedenfeld from uh, Southwest Wisconsin going to be joining us on our checkoff chat. That's coming your way tomorrow. Today, head to MidwestFarmReport.com for all the news you're looking for. Stay dry out there.
This is the Midwest Farm Report.